and welcome to Upleveling Work, a podcast about the strategies and solutions that real people are using for improving their work life so they can make a bigger impact and find more connection and fulfillment along the way. I'm your host, Michelle K. Anderson, and I'm an executive coach and the creator of the Conscious Leadership Framework. I'm on a mission to increase the diversity of leadership at organizations. And the work that I do as a coach is all about empowering women and other marginalized people to become leaders who gracefully navigate complex work environments with confidence. Join me here each week to learn how to create high-performing teams without working more or burning out. This is episode number two, Bruce Tuckman's Stages of Team Development. In a perfect world, team members would work seamlessly together from day one. They would get along, communicate well, and productively focus on the team mission. Unfortunately, the reality is that it takes time for teams to reach peak effectiveness. A common mistake teams make is getting so focused on their tasks and what they are expected to accomplish that they get impatient with anything they think gets in the way of the work. In other words, we want to skip ahead to high performance, but that never works because you skip all of the important stages that get you there. There's a famous saying that sometimes you have to go slow to go fast, and that applies here. But most people don't want to be patient, so managers wait for an acute issue to come up and then deal with it, usually by applying some advice that they read in an article or book and hope it'll be just the thing to get their team unstuck. And of course we do this. Everywhere we look, there is management advice, in the news, on your Instagram feed, YouTube videos, or LinkedIn articles, where we're being fed the latest findings in the research and encouraged to apply reductionistic best practices or read the latest book I just wrote in order to go from good to great. So, of course, this is a normal thing that we do. The reality is that the specific practices they recommend may not even apply to you or be helpful for your team right now if they weren't clickbait to get your attention in the first place. And worse, it has you focused on the wrong things, maybe trying to perfect or implement some new tactic versus being able to focus on your customers and clients or figuring out that obstacle to growth that your team is facing. Think about it. If you're a parent, do you apply the same parenting advice to all of your kids, regardless of how old they are or what their individual personalities are? No. So why do we think this will work with teams? I don't mean to suggest that as a manager, you are like a parent to your team. Not at all. That's not what I'm saying here. That paternalistic attitude is another mistake I see managers making, and we'll address that in another episode. But my point is that the reason that you feel overwhelmed sometimes when working on your team is because you can't see the hidden patterns that are at play. And when you can't predict what's coming, it makes things feel especially chaotic or hard. And when you're in a space of fear or uncertainty, that's where you tend to start throwing spaghetti against the wall and see what's going to stick. And that isn't always the best strategy in business. If you want to be an effective manager, you have to understand what your team needs to move them to the next level. You have to be able to understand both the personality dynamics at play and people's natural motivations and strengths, but you also have to understand the stage of development that your team is in. And when you do, you can identify the most effective strategies and tactics that will move your team forward and stop wasting your time on stuff that doesn't fit you right now. So today I'm going to introduce you to a framework that will help you understand why your team is struggling with certain things and what you can do about it. 
Bruce Tuckman was a psychologist who described the natural ways groups evolve, whether they're conscious of it or not. He proposed a model in 1965 that explains that as the team develops maturity and ability, relationships establish and leadership changes to be more collaborative or shared. He identified five stages of development that teams consistently go through as they transition from strangers to co-creators. And when you understand these stages, you will know how to help your team become more effective because there are specific tactics that you can employ at each stage in order to accelerate your growth. The five stages are sequential and they are forming, storming, norming, performing, and transforming. You might imagine the stages of development like steps that move up and to the right over time, but this isn't a linear process, and it's filled with peaks and valleys like a roller coaster more than a stepwise function up and to the right. Perhaps an even more accurate way to visualize the stages is in a cycle. Teams cycle through these stages over time in a very predictable pattern. Each time a new team member joins the team, you go back to the forming stage and have to work your way through each stage again. It's really important to understand that you go through all of these stages sequentially. It's normal to feel impatient and want to move forward faster or skip ahead to the good stuff. But when this happens, teams will never fully form, and then they get stuck at a stage or maybe oscillate between early stages. So the second important thing to know about these stages is that it isn't possible to skip them. You can shorten the amount of time you spend in a stage before moving to the next one once you understand what's needed in that phase of development to build a solid foundation for collaboration. I created a PDF that goes along with this episode that you can download a Michelle K. Anderson forward slash stages to help you visualize this. That's M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E-K-A-Y-A-N-D-E-R-S-O-N dot com forward slash stages. If you can, you might want to hit pause and go grab the download so that you can follow along with this episode. So let me walk you through these stages and the typical behaviors that you'll find in each one. I'm diving in deep here to give you all of the goods. So first, I'll define the stage, give you some general characteristics and patterns of the type, really give you a vibe for what that stage is like. And then I'll talk a little bit about the role of the leader and identify the key alignment and attunement challenges for each of the stages that need to be overcome in order to advance to the next stage. We start with stage one, forming. We assume that high-performing teams just happen or they don't happen, believing that strong relationships emerge only after the team has worked together for a while. But as organizational development consultant and Enneagram practitioner Ginger Lapid Bagda argues in her book, transform your team with the Enneagram, the truth is that good team relationships need to start at the beginning rather than wait until the end. Because the problems that show up at the beginning will tend to get amplified over time, not resolved on their own. So in the first stage of team development, this forming stage, teams are in the process of creating that structure. People are getting oriented to both the work of the team and the people on it. Basically, they're asking, what are we supposed to be doing here? Who are we? In this stage, most people are on their best behavior, and they try to avoid conflict because everyone has a natural instinct to be accepted by the group. Team members are typically unsure of what the team's purpose is, how they fit in, or how exactly we are going to work together. The only thing they really have in common is their manager or possibly their background or expertise. So a lot of attention tends to go to getting to know each other while dealing with routine tasks and setting goals. 
this stage can feel quite comfortable in that way. People don't necessarily voice their opinions because they won't risk the relationship in this early stage. There is typically a high level of independent work at this time while people try to deal with a lack of clarity on where they're headed. There may be a lot of anxiety, curiosity, or excitement to get things going depending on the personality style of the team member. Either way, everyone tends to look to the leader for direction in this stage. So the leader's job is to clearly communicate this is where we need to go. Some general patterns of behavior in the forming stage. You engage in polite interactions, but not deep ones. You act guarded and careful with each other, tentatively joining into conversations. You ask numerous questions about what you should be doing. Rarely express disagreements in order to avoid controversy. People act dependent on the leader for guidance, direction, problem solving, and generally resolving any issues. And this is related to a need for safety and approval. They share limited information about themselves. There may be cliques forming. There's an attempt to define the tasks, processes, and how decision-making will work. And there's a discussion of problems that may not be relevant to the task. It's hard to focus. In her book, Ginger describes two types of challenges that every team face in each stage of development. She calls the first type of challenge an alignment challenge, the what or the tasks that we're focusing on. Alignment allows team members to know where they're going together and why what they're doing matters. So alignment challenges in the forming stage are what's our purpose, goals, deliverables, and ways of working together. The second type of challenge Ginger calls the attunement challenge. These challenges are around how we work together and can be thought of like process questions. Attuned teams are ones that feel connected to each other because we understand what is needed and we genuinely care about each other. Attunement is what fuels the energy and passion to move forward together as a team. Attunement challenges in the forming stage look like, who are we, both as individuals and a team? And are we all included as team members? To advance from this stage to the next stage, each member must relinquish the comfort zone of non-threatening topics and risk the possibility of conflict. So that takes us to stage two, storming. The storming stage begins to occur as the process of organizing the tasks and the processes of the team surface interpersonal conflicts. Leadership, power, structural issues really dominate the stage. So it's all about resolving the tensions, differences, and conflict that prevent the forward momentum of the team. Have you ever felt like you weren't sure if you agree where the team is headed or what the best way to get there is? Or were you sick of having the same conversations or arguments over and over again? If so, you might be in the storming stage. This is where you tend to see high levels of conflict as people start to show more of their true colors or preferences that naturally clash with other people's styles. Team members start opening up to each other and are more likely to confront and challenge others, pushing against established boundaries. Different ideas and perspectives start competing with each other for attention. This enables a team to uncover contentious issues and problems and all the differences. It may, however, also lead to like protection of interests and positions, egoic win-lose situations, competitive behaviors, blaming, and the for formation of factions or silos. At this stage, team members may challenge your authority or management style or even the team's mission. And left unchecked, this can lead to face-to-face -face confrontations or simmering tensions. If roles and responsibilities aren't yet clear, 
individuals might begin to feel overwhelmed by their workload or frustrated at a lack of progress. And some teams work through this phase quickly while others can get stuck in the storming for an extended period of time, which is not fun. Some general patterns of behavior in the storming stage include aggressive, argumentative conversations, posturing for position or dominance, passivity or conforming individual behavior, as well as avoiding each other. You don't listen to each other. Maybe there's interrupting going on. You might ignore or act aggressively toward the leader. There's vying for leadership, can be like power struggles or clashes. There's a lack of role clarity or consensus seeking behaviors. Subgroups form that discuss issues privately or scapegoat other members of the team. There's non-productive competition among team members. There's concerns over excessive work and a lack of progress on goals or maybe the establishment of goals that are completely unrealistic. So the alignment or task challenges in this stage look like, are we all in agreement about where we're going and how we're going to get there? And the attunement or process challenges are more like, are we bringing up and resolving areas of disagreement in a constructive way? In order to progress to the next stage, group members must move from a testing and proving mentality to a problem-solving mentality. The most important trait in helping teams move to the next stage is the ability of team members to listen to their teammates. What are they trying to say? Then we have stage three, norming. Once individuals start resolving their differences, appreciate each other's strengths, and come to a shared understanding of the way in which to do things, the team moves to the third stage of development. The norming phase enables the team to establish norms for working together, a common goal and preferred level of interdependence to ensure that the results are achieved and problems are actually solved. In this stage, team members know one another better so they feel more comfortable asking for help and offering constructive feedback. They share a stronger commitment to the team's goals and they should make good progress toward it because they are willing to address challenges and resolve them. Team members are able to acknowledge that the task at hand cannot be accomplished without the input of others. Have you ever been on a team where you've been able to trust that others actually have your back? Where you feel like you're in it together and have confidence that things are going to work out okay? Where you feel like you have the freedom to express yourself and make a meaningful contribution? This is the vibe of the norming stage. As the group develops cohesion, leadership changes from one teammate in charge to a shared leadership model. Team members learn that they have to trust one another for shared leadership in order to be effective. And managers are more likely to encourage differences of opinions by asking questions like, how would you propose we get there? As teams make agreements about expectations and how people will behave, they will naturally become more aligned and attuned as a team. General patterns of behavior in the norming stage include processes and procedures that are agreed upon with a sincere attempt to make consensual decisions comfortable with relationships and generally effective conflict resolution skills. There's focus and energy on tasks. There's a more balanced influence and shared problem solving. They develop team routines and achieve task milestones. However, the most important issues may not be brought up for discussion or topics might get discussed with no real resolution or commitment to agreements. So it's kind of a push-pull situation. There may be a lack of participation or engagement from all of the team members in a conversation. There may be frustrations or irritations that are expressed verbally or non-verbally that sometimes are left unresolved. 
maybe impatience with discussions taking too long. And in this stage, there's still an over-reliance on the leader to determine working agreements instead of involving the team members. So alignment challenges in this stage look like, what agreements can we reach about how to operate more efficiently and effectively? And the attunement challenges in this stage are, are we using the most effective communication, problem-solving, and decision-making skills? The major task function of stage three is the data flow between group members. They share feelings and ideas, solicit and give feedback to one another, and explore actions related to the task. Creativity is high here. Collaboration emerges during this stage when team work ethic and shared leadership is understood. Now we get to stage four, performing. This is where every team dreams of getting. When a team is in flow and operating up to its potential, you know you're in the performing stage. Because of all the hard work of the previous stages, structuring the processes and getting clear on the goals and the role each team member plays, they are likely to achieve their goals efficiently. But the performing stage is not reached by all groups. If group members are able to evolve to this stage, their capacity, range, and depth of personal relationships expand to true interdependence. In this stage, people work independently in subgroups or as a total unit with equal competencies. These teams are often self-directed, requiring little external supervision as team members hold each other mutually accountable. Judith Stein from MIT's HR department says of this stage, roles of the team may have become more fluid with members taking on various roles and responsibilities as needed. Differences among members are appreciated and used to enhance a team's performance. Ultimately, teams in the performing stage test the new ways of functioning to see if they can get the desired results. If not, they simply revisit the norms and make adjustments. This is like a hypothesis testing experiment. These teams are in a constant state of experimentation. I wonder if this will work. I wonder if this will work. They're learning and they're growing and they're figuring out what works best for them. They're agile. You know you're in this stage when teams start to overachieve and develop a strategic awareness of their market or customer while also caring for each other while they focus on the work that needs to be done. This feels highly productive, both personally and professionally. Dissent and transparency enable the team to work through challenges in a candid manner that allows for correction, learning, and support. The role of the leader is to help each member get to the next phase or challenge, asking questions like, what would you need to make it happen? You don't want to try and keep people in this stage forever. You want your people to keep progressing. So finding new opportunities for your team members is a key part of the stage and will unfortunately send you back to a previous stage of development as you lose or introduce new team members. Have you ever been on a team where you just had fun and genuinely felt excited about the project that you were working on? Where you had lots of space to develop your skills or creatively solve problems? And where you felt like you were making meaningful progress on your goals? That's the vibe of this stage. Some general patterns of behavior in the performing stage include, the team is focused on customer satisfaction as much or more than their own satisfaction. The leader is no longer highly involved in smaller operational details and decision-making. The team and individual successes are celebrated on a regular basis. The team is resilient when faced with moderate or even major changes. Team members know how to manage themselves and the team so they don't get burned out and unresolved issues from these earlier stages of development are getting resolved more easily. These are fully functional teams with clear roles and healthy levels of independence. The team is flexible and individuals can adapt to meet the needs of other team members. 
there's a better understanding of everyone's strengths and weaknesses in these teams and a genuine value of everyone's unique insights as you operate as a group. The alignment challenges in the performing stage are like, are we putting our customer first as we continually learn and grow as an individual and a team? And the attunement challenges in the performing stage are, are we agile and resilient? Are we supportive of each other? Are we making sure that we're not burning out? The final stage, transforming, happens when the team naturally changes or transitions. Groups transform when a project is complete and the group disperses, or when new goals or team members are added. Sometimes this stage is called adjourning. This wasn't part of Tuckman's original model, but it has been adapted by many to help describe what happens when the team has to say goodbye. It is important to thank people for their contributions as they leave or to celebrate the work that you've done together when a project is finished. People who are used to routine and have developed close relationships may find this a difficult time. In this stage, typically team members are ready to leave, causing significant change to the structure of the team or the membership of who's in it or even the purpose of the team. And while the group continues to perform productively, they also need time to manage their feelings of loss and termination and transition. A planned conclusion usually includes recognition for participation and achievement and an opportunity for members to say personal goodbyes. Concluding a group can create some apprehension, but it can also be a cause for celebration and an acknowledgement of a job well done. So you know you're in this stage when you see visible signs of grief there's momentum that slows down, people are getting restless, or there's this oscillating energy, like bursts of extreme energy, usually followed by a lack of energy or motivation. The role of the leader in this stage is to be a good listener and to help team members develop options for leaving, to tie up loose ends and tasks, and to provide an evaluation of the efforts of the team, recognizing and rewarding what we've accomplished together and reflecting on collaborative learning that can be carried forth to the next opportunity. And that's it. Now that you know the stages, you can start to look for signs for which stage your team is in and let that inform the type of leadership you use to help your team be more effective. Even the most high-performing teams cycle through these stages of development as circumstances change and different challenges present themselves. So just know that whatever you are experiencing is perfectly normal. Just check in regularly with the team to figure out where you're at now and adjust your tactics accordingly. Knowing the teams go back and forth between the stages and it's all okay. When I work with teams, we run a personality report for the entire team that identifies not only what stage of development the team is in, but what specific behaviors are derailing performance and tactics a team can use to move through the stages more quickly to get to high performance. Having insights on what personality styles are on the team helps the managers know exactly how to approach individuals and how their style might be getting in the way how to design work that is more aligned with the natural strengths and motivations that are showing up on your team. If you haven't already, you can download a free PDF that goes along with this episode at uplevelingwork.com forward slash two to help you visualize the stages. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Upleveling Work. To view the complete show notes and all the links mentioned in today's episode, visit uplevelingwork.com. That's where you can search by the episode number in order to find the transcripts and any downloads or resources mentioned in the podcast. That's also where you can find my 10 Mistakes Managers Make ebook, 
which explains the most common mistakes managers tend to fall into. My intention is to save you the wasted time and energy that these failed solutions cost you. That way you can become a more effective leader while playing to your natural strengths. Before you go, make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you can receive new episodes right as they're released. And if you're enjoying the podcast, I'd love to ask you to leave a review in Apple Podcasts. Reviews are one of the major ways new podcasts get noticed, and it would really make a difference if you could take a minute to write a review. Thank you for joining me, Michelle K. Anderson, on this episode of Upleveling Work. I'll see you next time.